0: I wanted to address this. Jen did an amazing job, and uh, this has been on her radar. Um, I've tried to ignore the news for a while, um, but she's been giving me updates on all of it. But I wanted to let you know, some people question, you know, whenever these things fly around church buildings, like, are the people really going to get it? Um, When we went to Fort Myers, so Jen, myself, Kylie, our youngest, and Nate and Sabrina flew to Fort Myers to help with the... uh, Hurricane effort and all the stuff that was going on. Um, they, uh, we met these people, like the people that are on the ground over there. We met them in Fort Myers, and they're just. Some are pastors. Some are Sunday school teachers. Some are people just that attend churches that uh, have felt the call that when there's an emergency somewhere in the world, um, that they will drop everything they're doing and they'll go. And so um, we got to hang with them. Um, we we know and I can tell you that the people that you're giving to, that we're all giving to, but the people that you would be uh, scanning the code for uh, are the real deal. Um, they're, we've prayed with them. We've sat on the floor with them. We've been in houses with damage all around, working with them and ministering with them. And um, they, they don't just advise. Can I put it that way? They don't just advise people on what to do. Um, we were in some of the most crazy places uh, in Fort Myers that I would ever thought we would ever go. But uh, they got us in there behind the lines, and uh, we were able to minister in unique ways. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, if the Lord leads you to give, um, you know, there's other organizations doing it, but I know this is going directly where uh, they say it's going to go. So um, if you turn with me this morning to Mark 5, for those of you who weren't here last week, Uh, I'm going to continue on uh, with where I was last week. I don't normally do this, but uh, the Lord is just, I believe he's given me a word for this morning that coincides with last week. So last week we were talking about the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It was actually the basis story, um, but the girl who was restored to life was the Uh, global story that we talked about and uh, you know sometimes we I mean sometimes we read these things and they don't become real to us but I'm just telling you whenever I read these kind of things in the scripture like the Lord is wise and he put it there so that I could be changed Um, so it may seem insignificant but when you actually let it rest on your heart um, it can actually change who you are and uh, so I've just been meditating on on these scriptures and and really, I, I believe that the Lord wants to change some of us this morning. And I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm actually talking to me. And so I told, I told Jen this morning, I said, I feel like everybody else could just leave. I'll just talk to myself, and then it won't be as embarrassing because I'm going to call out some stuff in myself that needs to be changed. And I think that you're going to hopefully find some things in you that need to be changed. And that's how we become better people, right? that's how we become better Christ followers. We allow truth to change who we are so we can become something that we're not today uh, and honor him in a better way. Um, so in Mark 5, we see Jesus is called to, uh, to this girl who's dying, and the religious man calls him. And uh, so they're on the way, and on the way, uh, Jesus encounters the woman with the issue of blood. In fact, he doesn't encounter her she encounters him and she reaches out in faith touches his garment she's healed immediately the scripture says and i am not going to reread it because we're going to read a lot of other scriptures but it says immediately she's healed jesus didn't turn around yet he didn't nope she just in faith touched something that that changed her body but it really didn't change her emotions yet did it I want to reread this um, because it really didn't change her emotions. In verse 30, Mark 5, verse 30, it says this, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging around you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now, verse 33. Now, she's healed at this point. She's not waiting for something else. She's already healed, okay? But this is her emotional capacity in that moment. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Do you know that you can be touched and physically healed walking in physical restoration and not be emotionally healed that you can actually receive a miracle from jesus because you've exercised faith to receive something that you can't do on your own she tried everything she was she had spent all the money she had on the doctors. she had spent i mean the best people she had done it over and over and over and she was exhausted her hope was if i touch him i'll be healed That was her hope. And when she stepped into that belief system and she engaged with that and engaged with him, her life was instantly transformed, but her emotions were not. And I was beginning to process that, process that this week because there's many things that, I mean, I'm looking around the room and I know people here who have been touched by the Lord and completely healed and restored. And I know people that I've ministered to and you've ministered to all around that, that have been seen amazing miracles, but yet they're still walking in brokenness. They, they've, their bodies have been completely healed. The MRI shows that, that the vertebrae in their neck was like this and now it's like this and they're completely healed. But then sometimes we walk in and we meet those people at the mall and their life is in shambles. But they've been touched by the king or they've touched the king, you could say it that way. What, what in the world can cause us to walk in wholeness In our bodies or in in other places but not to be completely whole and jesus said this in verse 34 and he said to her daughter he gave her dignity you know jesus is good at that jesus looks at you in your brokenness and he says listen i acknowledge you for who you are i was talking about in the prayer room this morning and You know, Paul says to the Corinthians, I I have chosen to see nothing in you but Christ and him crucified. I've chosen that that I'm not going to see anything, all the stuff. I mean, there was some nasty stuff in the church of Corinth. I mean, there was debauchery galore. But he says, I'm choosing to see none of that, but I'm choosing to see who you really are. And Jesus turns to her. She's in, it says, fear and trembling. Anybody ever been there? He turned around. Now, this has nothing to do with her physical healing. I have to say that again. She doesn't have to get emotionally well to receive her physical healing. She doesn't have to be fearless to receive the healing that she exercised faith for you see, some, of, some people, some of you, sometimes myself, we feel like we have to be in a certain position and a certain health in our emotions to receive something from the Lord. But that's not at all what it is. It's an exercise of faith because we got nothing. I know I don't. Maybe you do. But I got nothing unless he comes. And so, so it says here, he, he gives her dignity. I, I picture this, and hopefully you just sometimes let your imagination, you know, he gave it to you for a purpose, and all of the people that meant so well for you when you were young killed it for you. Sorry. Hey, I'm a parent. I did it too. But, it, you know, when we're young and we believe that anything is possible, And then everybody comes in and crushes that imagination and and dreams and you need to go do what we want you to do. That kind of thing. Like like we got to reignite that imagination in us and like look at the scripture and say, okay. So she's emotionally, she feels, I'm guessing, but by the way he addresses it, I'm pretty sure that this guess is correct. That she feels like she wasn't worthy of what she just got. That she's fearing and trembling because she feels like she took something that wasn't really hers. But her faith was that she could receive something that wasn't really hers. So what is the conflict? The conflict is there's a mixture in her life. There's this abundant faith. And I believe this is in the church. I believe it's in me and I believe it's in you. And I believe the Lord wants to pull it out this morning. Okay, I believe he wants to just rip it out. I believe that she was walking in faith but she still had unbelief. She had unbelief that there was was this wholeness that she could get, but she surely believed that her body could be healed. I believe this this morning, that we often believe for miracles that are only about a portion of what he really wants for us. We believe that he'll touch our body and he'll heal our body. Our back isn't going to be sore tomorrow. He's, he's touched our body. But we limit him to that. We put him in that box. He's the, he's the back healing God. He's the issue of blood healing Jesus. That's who he is. No, 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 no. He wants you to be whole. And so so she's there fearing and trembling and like, oh, no. I know I'm healed. It says because she knew what had happened inside of her, she was fearing and trembling. Something has happened to me and I'm I'm not able to process all this. And he turns around. He didn't have to. He was on a mission. He was going to go raise somebody from the dead. No, he turns around and he gives her dignity and he says, daughter, which gave her specific dignity. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, to me, that says that if she was already healed and Jesus says, go be healed of your affliction, she could have lost it. I'm just saying. If he says, go and be diligent not to walk away from the healing that you just received, it means that there's something that could have come into her life that could have taken it away. I know, I'm... Daughter, your faith has made you well. Some of you need dignity that Jesus just is looking at you. Maybe you're not looking for physical healing. Maybe you don't need emotional healing right now, but you just need him to look at you. And you know what? He's always looking at you. But you got to look at him to know he's looking at you. But let me go on. While he was still speaking, verse 35, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Remember, this is a religious guy and his daughter's having issues and his people, his squad came and said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble you the teacher anymore? Okay. The leader of the synagogue, breaking all the Levitical rules, as did the woman with the issue of blood, steps in, says to Jesus, I need you. I desperately need you to come to my house because I've got an issue. I've got some brokenness that I need you to make whole. He's watching all this and he's in total belief that what Jesus just did in that woman and the dignity that he gave her is now going to transition. He's going to walk with Jesus to his house and Jesus is going to give the same dignity and the same power and the same authority to his daughter. And there's some... People who, well, we talked about jettisoning friends last week, right? Like, the people that aren't for you, we're just going to, yeah, anyway. Um, If you haven't done that yet, you've wasted seven days. Just saying. If they aren't, if your friends aren't for you, and they're just going to see the negative and everything, like, don't even talk, okay. So, let's just be real, and for those of you visiting, this is just, like, how I roll, and I'm just, like, trying to give you the most up-to-date, practical, application of this that you can relate to. And that is that I'm here. I'm the guy. I'm watching this happen. I'm in faith. I asked him to come do this for me. I'm super stoked. She got healed. That's a bonus. And then some yokel comes up to me and says, yeah, your daughter's dead. Don't even talk to him anymore. Just come back and have the funeral. Yeah. Not really those that that really believe with you. (laughs) Like, I don't want them in the room if I'm in the emergency room. Like, I don't want them with me. But here's the thing. If you don't want those people in those pivotal moments, why do you want them in your day-to-day? Okay. As soon as Jesus heard, I'm going to go because that's a deep one, and if I keep going, people will be mad at me. 36. Um, and when he had heard what was spoken, Jesus heard these yokels saying that too, by the way. And he didn't ignore them. No, because Jesus doesn't ignore people that don't want the best for you. He'll call them out on their stuff. The problem is you might not. It has more power when you and him say, get off my back. But this is what Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue. So he turns to the guy, right? He turns to the man, gives him dignity. I think oftentimes we walk past people, we don't even give them dignity anymore. Just saying. Like we're so focused on the screen. And we don't even give people dignity as as we walk by them in the store. Don't be afraid, only believe. That's what Jesus said to him. So I was sitting with a bunch of guys this week and we just talk about business and all this other stuff in the Bible and it's really good. So we were sitting there talking and I was like, guys, this scripture is like coming alive to me. You know, um, when Jeff was here from Israel today, he said that they are kisses from God. I said, uh, I said the Lord's been kissing me on the scripture like it's truth just coming out at me. And I said, "Don't be afraid, only believe." And and one of the guys said, "Well, how in the world did he know?" Jesus, yeah, he knew everything, but like what was some characteristics that he would have known that he went in unbelief? I said, "I don't know. Let's think about us personally. We're walking the earth We've invited Jesus into our junk. We're celebrating because other people are getting touched, and we know he's coming to us, and then somebody says some nonsense, and I'm guessing his shoulders dropped a little bit. I'm guessing his head went down a little bit. Jesus could have figured it out without that, but I'm guessing that there was some physical evidence that unbelief had entered his life. Maybe I'm off. But I truly believe that Jesus probably saw something. He heard the nonsense and then he saw something and he was like, listen, dude, don't be afraid, only believe. Well, that tells me that he could have entered another way. If Jesus says there's, there's a choice, there's this, you can remain or you can accept unbelief, or you can walk in belief. That means there's two options in that case. So you can, you can accept this vile accusation from the enemy in this moment and step into unbelief. Or you can stay in an attitude of belief and ignore the physical, stay with me in the spiritual and we're going to go take care of something. So unbelief is creeping into his mind when these people say this stuff. I'm just saying, Jesus wouldn't have said, don't be afraid, only believe, if unbelief wasn't present. So unbelief is now coming in. Did he have unbelief before? No, because we know that he had belief that Jesus could do something because he literally ignored every rule that he, as a leader of the synagogue, the high dude, he had to abide by and he ignored it all. The only way that you can ignore everything that you've believed your whole life and everything that has guided every decision you've ever made, for you to step outside of that, you've got to believe that there's something on the other side of it. Some of you need to step out of everything you've ever been taught and ever believed to go believe Jesus. So so unbelief was coming into his life, and I'm going to give you a key here, we all have the option every single day to stay in belief or to allow unbelief to overtake us. So unbelief is now entering into the picture And when unbelief enters the picture, the Lord says, don't be afraid, only believe. It's a command to him, it's a statement to him that there's something coming against you. You have one moment of grace to either accept it or deny it. You have a moment. Now, I'm not good at this, and I'm just gonna tell you straight up. I'm working on this myself, so if you're all better at it, then we can have coffee, you can help me. But when I'm driving... And there's some person, and i got to keep my language correct because my wife's not here, and she'll watch the replay, and then I'll, I'll hear it at home. When there's someone doing 95 on 77, and I'm doing the speed limit in the right lane, how you're supposed to be doing it, and they literally put two inches between their back bumper and my front bumper to get off the exit instead of slowing down, I have a moment Where I have to choose whether I am going to allow something that isn't right to take root in my heart or to just continue on in grace. Now you all can, maybe you're all excellent, you don't have any wacky drivers, it's totally cool, but there's something in your life, maybe it's when your spouse says something crazy, or maybe it's when your boss says something crazy. You have a moment of grace that I believe the Lord gives you to either accept that thing or deny that thing. And he gives it here in the scripture to this guy. He's like, listen, you had faith. You all have had faith, right? You've all, you've all had belief in something. And then something comes in that challenges that belief or something comes in that challenges your person or something that comes in and challenges your emotions. And in that split second, I believe according to this scripture, that the Lord gives us a moment where we can either reject that thing out of our lives or we can accept it and it'll take root in us. Now, I'm not good at this either, so I'm just laying it all out there. Um, I know we have to garden. Totally get it. Um, I know why. I get all this stuff. I'd rather eat those things than the stuff that's got chemicals sprayed on it. Totally in all that I don't have. They're they're white. They're not green. Okay, so I I can't do it. Um, but there are people that are really gifted at it. But we tried the gardening thing. Um, I travel way too much, so every time I come back, I just get discouraged because the weeds are taller than the plants. And uh, and and I found this thing that that whenever we watered the garden, the water went on the plants and the weed. Now. If anyone could create a way that water only goes on the plant and never on the weed, you'd be like, you'd have the business of businesses. But whenever I watered things, everything came up. See, the seeds of brokenness came into the place where I planted the whole thing that I wanted to have, and they were fighting for sunlight, they were fighting for nutrients, they were fighting for everything, and oftentimes, because I wasn't tending to it, the thing that wasn't supposed to be there overtook the thing that was supposed to be there, and then I got upset. (laughs) Because it couldn't be my fault. It was that darn curse of the ground. Couldn't be my fault that I had to weed that thing every once in a while. So in the moment, this man has a choice. Do I allow unbelief To come into my situation, or do I stay in belief? And Jesus gave a specific direction do not let that thing get planted in you because we're about to go see a miracle. Okay? We're about to go see something supernatural. But he had a choice, and the choice was not whether he saw the miracle or not. See, we can make this all like super religious. He wasn't choosing whether he saw the miracle or not, here's what he was choosing. He was saying, I can allow this contaminated thing to bring me from belief in the supernatural to understanding of the natural. That was it. It had nothing to do with the miracle. Are you hearing me? I'm preaching real good, but it's quiet. He had a choice to remain in the supernatural, which is what he went for. I'm not going to go back and reread it. Just back up a few verses. He said, my daughter is sick. I need you to come and do something. He didn't think that she was coming, he was coming with a penicillin shot. He thought there was a miracle coming because he knew who he was. So he's in the supernatural. He's in the spiritual realm. And he's saying, listen, I believe in you. And the unbelief that these people were bringing to him would have taken him from the supernatural realm to the natural realm. And he would have thought about his daughter laying there dead instead of thinking Jesus is coming to bring her to life. Now, we all have that choice every single day. We have the choice of whether we're going to look at things in the supernatural realm, the spiritual realm, which is actually more real than the natural realm, or we can rely on the natural realm. Now, this is going to be hard, I know, but I'm dealing with it too. I'm dealing with it too. If we are relying on the natural realm, we aren't going to see anything supernatural. So you can walk the earth and you can say, I, I have this belief in Jesus. And in that moment, boom, you're in the supernatural realm. You're in the spiritual realm. You are in the miracle happening place. And then you drive on 77. <laughs> and then you're in the natural place. And no miracles are happening there. Let's go to another scripture, Matthew 13. I'm just going to read one verse. It's a parable you all know, but it goes with the gardening theme, so we're just going to hang out there. You know, the parable of the seed is not really about seed, it's really about the word, which is the seed, and the condition of our heart. So verse, sorry, Matthew 13, verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So you, being in the word with pure hearts, have an opportunity every day to receive unfruitful things in your heart that takes you from believing that God can do everything he said that he would do for you and through you to believing that you're just some person living in Tuscarawas County, Ohio that can't reach the nations. Now I, I want to point out something you've probably heard it all before but I'm going to give you some insight here that the validity of the word that was spoken and planted in these soils was not judged by the outcome of the fruitfulness. The validity of the word that is put in the ground to produce fruit is not judged by the outcome of that fruit and how fruitful that was. The word is for real, it's the heart that actually determines what fruit is produced. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know what, Pastor Rob, I know we're not supposed to judge, but we're just fruit inspectors. We're judging people's fruit. That's what we are. Well, here's, here's the deal. You can look at people's fruit, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that the word that God spoke over them is right or wrong because of what fruit they're bearing. There's a thing in there called your heart that actually is deceitful, as the scripture says, that needs to be reformed so that when he gives us something, it can be actually calibrated in the kingdom to do something good and be fruitful. But three out of the four soils were sad, sad places. So when you receive a word, when you're looking around and you're saying, where is the fruitfulness? Yeah, those people probably aren't offended and they're probably producing fruit, but is that fruit, that fruit does not represent the word that was given to them. It, re- it represents what they did with it. Let's go to Mark 9. Because I believe this thing called unbelief is really what is holding the church back. I believe it's holding me back. I believe it's holding you back. And I believe that the Lord wants to rip it out. He just wants to take unbelief and say, you know what? Don't fear. Only believe. That's what I believe he's saying to you this morning. Maybe you're here and you need physical healing in your body. And he's saying, listen, don't fear. Only believe. Maybe you see no end in sight for your physical problem or your marriage problem or your uh, work situation or whatever and I believe the Lord's saying listen don't live in fear only believe have some belief in there that, that there's something that can change so I'll say it again because I wrote it three times in the notes so I'm just going to say it again the validity of God's word is not validated or proven by what we do with it okay So, back to my gardening thing, because I need to figure this out. We're going to need it. So there's this, this thing where we plant something, and we expect it to bring an outcome. I mean, I don't know any farmers that planted something not expecting to reap something. Um, whether they're planting a cover crop just to keep the soil good and give it some more nutrients, or whether they're actually doing it to get some fruit out, there's a purpose to why they plant it, and there's a purpose to why God gives you truth, because He wants to. He wants there to be an outcome. But see, He's not in control of your heart. There's that middle space that is the the hard thing for us. That that He gives us truth, then there's this middle space, which is where it's planted. And then out of that comes the fruit. Now, he plants it expecting there to be fruit at the other end, but we're in control of that. So, you plant a seed. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe no weeds grow in your garden. That would be awesome. I need whatever soil you're using. But whenever I do it, other seeds find a way into the soil beside the seed that I planted. And I planted it. And then all of a sudden, other seeds start to find their way there because they're like, there's water here. There's nutrients here. I'm going there, and I'm going to actually suck some of that up so that I can be there. Now, here's the thing. The Scripture says faith comes by and hearing by the... So let's say it again. Faith comes by and hearing by the... So faith doesn't come by the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by the word of God. If that were the case, that faith came by the word of God, then I would literally buy you all Spotify and I would I would give it to you playing scripture every second of every day and you would be faith-filled like Smith Wigglesworth and you'd be healing everyone all the way around. It doesn't say faith comes by the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, which means The word of God actually helps us calibrate our ears to hear in faith that something's gonna happen. We make it so not scriptural. So you wanna walk in faith and belief that something is gonna happen in your life? You can't, it's not bad to play scripture all the time, But that scripture is meant for you to take the rhema word of God about your situation and because you're filled with the word of God, it puts it in perspective and produces fruit. So I'm not saying don't read the word of God 24-7. Go ahead, have at it. It will help you when you actually hear a word because it will be planted in rich soil that will produce some fruit. So now, go back to the story here. He sees all this, he's there, his faith is up, his belief is up, and unrighteousness, unholiness thought comes into him, and Jesus says, listen, don't think about all that. Believe what you believed in the beginning, and you'll see transformation. I think that's where we get hung up, everybody, is that there's some things planted beside the truth that God has given us that's taken the light away and bringing us from the supernatural to the natural, and we aren't seeing miracles. And we're not seeing transformation. And we're not seeing what our destiny is come to fruition because there's some things that the enemy planted that we haven't uprooted. So when you make the comment about somebody, remember what I said Paul said. Paul said, I I choose to see nothing in you but Christ in him crucified. When you choose to say, boy, that that person's just, whew, they're out there. You have now eliminated yourself from receiving truth from them. Because there's a seed of not kingdom planted beside the, key, the seed of truth in your heart about that person and it's going to not produce fruit for you. So, how do we continue to stay in belief when everything from the world, the enemy wants you to go into unbelief? Like, can we just boil it all down to that? He's not not necessarily here to, to make you sin. You can do that on your own. He doesn't need to help you with that. He's here to get you to come from the spiritual realm to the natural realm so that you don't see miracles. That's what he's here to do. So he'll plant things in your garden that will snuff the life out of your destiny so that you don't see the miracles happen in your life. So, how do we stay out of unbelief? How do we stay in belief? Well, Jesus gives us that in the story. He says, do not be afraid, only believe. Was that, was that this to the man? Did he, did he give the scroll to the guy and say, this is what I'm telling you? No. It was his rhema word in that moment to say, listen, be on guard. There's something here that's going to derail you if you let it. What did the guy know? At least the first five of these. He knew that. And so when the word came, he knew that there was something more. And the word that came from Jesus was planted into something more and the word that came from the enemy was not even allowed to be planted in the garden. He said, get that seed out of here because I got something I got to go see happen in my life. Now, to me, that is protective of the spirit in his life. He was being protective. My question is this. If you examine the fruit of your life over the last five to ten years, would you be able to say that you've been protective of the spirit of your life? Because every single day the enemy's throwing things seed into your garden, and you have a moment of grace where the Lord allows you to pull it out, otherwise it takes root. And when it takes root, yes, it can be removed. But when the weed is as tall as a fruited fruited plant, right, when the weed's that tall, you have to pull pretty hard. But when the seed comes at it, if you just say, "Uh uh not today, it doesn't take root and it's not as much work. So we have these people, and maybe that's you, and maybe that's me. It's easier to say these people instead of me, but it's me, it's me, it's you, that there's so many weeds and mixture in our garden that we spend most of our time pulling weeds out so that sun can get to the one that we want to produce, but then we're not protective of what's coming at us so more seeds keep getting planted and we keep pulling weeds and the enemy wants you to pull weeds all day so that you're not actually eating the fruit of the destiny that God's called you to. I don't know, but I was shouting in the shower over that one. I've wasted a lot of time because I wasn't protective of what seeds were coming at me. And I was focused on the word, amen, but I was missing the word that said, hey, that thing is wrong. Keep it out. And so I had this, amen, we have this, but if we're not listening to that, his word for that specific moment in time, And then taking that word and comparing it to this word and saying, yes, it's got some power. We miss it. So what are the things that get thrown in there that keep us from being productive, to keep us from staying in belief? Well, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. If you read the scripture, all the old tricks are the same ones he's using on you and me today. They're all the same, so we just gotta read this. We know what his tricks are, but I'm gonna give you one because I believe this is the one that attacks all of us every single day, okay? Busyness is artificial significance. I'll let that go through the room, and then I'll say it again. Busyness is artificial significance. Because when you're busy, you think you're worth something. If the enemy can keep you busy and expand our activity, he can plant seeds because we're too busy paying attention to all the other stuff, that he can plant seeds in our garden and we won't know about it for another two years. And then we go to a place where God says, listen, I want you to stand in and be my application for this miracle to happen. And we're like, huh? What are you talking about? What do you mean? You want me to go to Fort Myers? You want me to go to Syria and Turkey? You want me to go to New Philly? And you want me to pray for somebody and believe that they'll get out of the coffin? You want me to go and do that? I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been pulling weeds all day. I'm tired. The problem is we can't see the miracle because of unbelief. Okay. Mark 9. I had you turn there. You thought I was going to forget, and I didn't. Mark nine seventeen. Then one... Of the crowd answered and said, "Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not." You, you ready? We didn't put seatbelts down. You can stand up and shout, or you can sit there and go, "Oh my word, he's got me." because the Lord just got me on this one and I'm just going to tell you, I got gotten, so I hope you get gotten because when you're you're got, then he can change you. He said, listen, I believe that my son can be healed because he's got a problem. He's got a demon. And I took him to your disciples. Now let me put the picture for you. The disciples were the most skilled deliverance ministers ever probably ever on the planet jesus trusted these people these guys and then the 70 that came after him he trusted them to go two by two into cities and completely rip out all the demonic to completely set that city in order and come back it'd be like pastor mike and don i'm sending you guys to canton And your job is to go there and set the captives free to release everyone from sickness and disease and to bring wholeness to the whole city and I trust you to do it now. Go, you have my authority. That's what he said. And he didn't think about them, I don't think. He just said, go do it. And then they came back. And they had done it. They were the most skilled. And this guy says, listen, I've heard about your disciples and I actually took my son to them but they couldn't do it. That's weird. That's weird. Do you think we can draw some truth from this? Say yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Unbelief is not the absence of faith. It is the presence of unbelief. You might want to write that one down. I'm not being... I'm not being uppity. I'm just telling you that I think this is what really causes us problems. See, we have faith. And I'm not saying that you don't have faith. I'm saying that there might be some unbelief mixed in your garden that isn't allowing you to walk in what he's called you to walk in. Because we read about the commission, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, do all that stuff, right? Now you can pick up serpents, do it all. We read about that, but very few, including myself, walk in that every single day. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. And you are overhearing the conversation. I don't walk in that every day to the wholeness that I'm called to walk in it. So is it that I don't have faith? No, I have faith. I have faith that God can literally pick up a mountain and move it. But he said that wasn't his faith. That's your faith, too. So we have faith. The thing I think that stops us is we've allowed the unbelief to be rooted in and take away our ability to see that come to fruition. So I'll repeat it. Unbelief is not the absence of faith. It is the presence of unbelief. I believe that the, I'm just going to keep reading. I'll get to that. The disciples could not. Let's reiterate that part. Verse 19, he answered him and said, so Jesus is talking to the father. Not his father, but the kid's father. O faithless generation. I don't like it, but I'm going to read it and then I'll tell you why I don't like it. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. That word is translated wrong in the King James and New King James. I truly go back to the original deal. That actually says, oh, unbelieving generation. Not faithless. They had faith. They walked with him. They had faith. But somewhere along the line, I believe that unbelief was entered into the disciples' walk that made them not able to perform that miracle. And I believe that somewhere in our lives unbelief has been sown in that makes us not walk in what we're called to walk in every single day. So it really says, go back and read it in other in other translations, but it says, O unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I'm gonna take care of it. So what happens? Then they brought him, the boy, to Jesus. And when he saw him, when the spirit saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. Now, I don't know any smaller level of faith than you just read in that scripture. If you can do it, then do it for us. That's his level of faith. If you can do it, do it for us. He wasn't there like, I know you can. We read that in the other scripture. I know you can heal my daughter. No, 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 he's like... If you can do anything, do it for me, because that's my level of faith right now. Okay, can I just go raw with you? I have been, but I just feel like I need to say this. Jesus took care of the level of faith argument when he said, faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. It doesn't matter your level of faith. It matters how much unbelief is mixed with your belief. Jesus didn't say it takes a truckload of mustard seeds to get healed from cancer and it takes one mustard seed to move a mountain. No, he didn't say that. He said it takes a mustard seed to do something you think is impossible. It just takes that little bit of faith. But if, if your belief is mixed with unbelief, then nothing's gonna happen. So you say, Pastor, why are you so strong on this? Because I believe that some of you are sitting here ready for your breakthrough, but there's some unbelief in the way from watching what God has called you and destined you to do. And we gotta get rid of the unbelief so that you can walk in the miracles and things that he has for you. And I can't be your gardener. And he's not your gardener. At one time he was, and, and, or he was mistaken for one, and he's probably mistaken for one today. But he's not your gardener. You're the one that has to pull out the weeds of unbelief. And when you pull them out, you'll be very surprised the miracles start to happen in your life, and you start to walk in your destiny. I had somebody say, "Wow, you are intellectual. You're just smart, all that stuff. Eh, great. Um, yeah, that's a handicap. That's a handicap. In essence, what you're saying is, Pastor, you've got a whole gift of unbelief. Because you try to reason everything. You just take belief off the table. You can make it happen. Well, I don't want that. I hope you don't want that either. It's not a compliment. If you're, if you're smart and you're intelligent and you can make things happen, oftentimes belief is the thing that goes out the window. And so then you rely on yourself. And and there's this thing that can happen with the anointing, and I'm going to step into another realm and I'll get out of that because that will get pretty hot over there. But, But there's an anointing that brings power to ministry. And so if you're in yourself and you believe you can do it, you can actually do it and power will come. But there's something different that I believe we're all called to walk in, and that's authority. And so the disciples were walking in power. They went into cities and they walked in power and power and power and power and cities were changed. But when this thing came before them, this spirit in this child came before them, they struck out. Because they were relying on power. And I bet they did all the things they saw Jesus do. And they're looking at each other. We've done it all. Why is it not going? Probably because there's some unbelief mixed in with your belief not because of your faith. Go back to 22. And often he has thrown him in both the fire and in the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus always moved with compassion. Hint, hint, church. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He doesn't say, if you have faith, all things are possible to him who has faith. There's two different things faith and belief, two different things. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible. Immediately, the Father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm going to break this down for you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, Jesus, I've got some mixture in my garden. I've got some mixture that's gotten in my garden. I have faith that you can do it, even though it's just a little. But on the belief side, I've got some mixture in there, and I'm not sure that if that mixture is in there that I can actually believe for that. What are you not believing for? And he says, Lord, help me in my unbelief. So I have this question. You go and pray for somebody and something doesn't happen. I'm just asking, like, walk with me here. You go and pray for someone and it doesn't happen. Some people make a doctrine out of that. Shouldn't have happened. It wasn't his time. Come on. Some people go into guilt and shame over that. I prayed for them, nothing happened. They go into guilt and shame. Some people are so worked up by it that they just become unbelieving. That it'll ever happen anytime I do it. It'll ever happen. And what happens is, is that this belief that you even went in the room with now becomes cluttered with unbelief and these seeds are planted and then the next time you're called to go back in the hospital room and pray for that, that thing or whatever the next situation is, there's so much unbelief mixed with your belief that you don't even want to do it. Let's keep reading. Immediately the father cried out aloud, help me in my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came run- When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him again, and came out, and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? so he said to them this kind cannot come out by nothing but prayer and fasting and he wasn't talking about the spirit he was talking about unbelief he was talking about cleaning the garden so that you're whole to see the miracles that he's called you to perform he wasn't talking about we got to pray and fast Jesus never prayed and fast we only know of one time that he did he prayed and fasted on his initial launch out into the wilderness right He wasn't calling them to do that, to cast out that spirit. He was saying there's unbelief, there's mixture in your garden, and because there's mixture in your garden, you did not believe enough to actually watch it come to pass, and so you didn't see it happen. So why do we fast and pray? You say, Pastor, you're talking a little weird about that. I want to know. Why do we fast and pray? I believe we fast and pray to to say, I want to start eating and drinking of something that isn't of this realm. I want to eat and drink of something that's from that realm. And when I eat and drink of something from that realm, I find out who he is. And when I find out who he is, I start to find out who I am. And when I understand who I am, I can walk in miracles every single day and not be worn out. So here's what I believe the enemy did. Why did the spirit start thrashing around on the floor in front of Jesus? I have to ask these questions. I'm sorry, I'm just getting you in my mind. Why did he do it in front of Jesus? Because it worked in front of the disciples. Why did he flash around on the ground all of his life? Because it worked everywhere he went. People were just like, we can't do anything with that. There's some things in your life that are flashing around and foaming at the mouth and acting stupid. And because of unbelief and a mixture in your soil and a mixture in your planting, you don't have the belief that that can actually change. And so it it does its little deal in front of Jesus, and I just imagine Jesus just standing there like, okay, take a hike. Like, he wasn't worked up by it. The disciples were worked up. He wasn't worked up. And he's like, listen, you gotta go. And you can't come back. And the Spirit did. So why do we pray and fast? If you don't pray and fast, then you got two things to work on. But one big thing to work on, that's you. And me. So, why do we pray and fast? We pray and fast to disconnect ourselves from the natural realm, connect ourselves to the supernatural realm, and we understand who He is and we hear His voice better because faith comes by hearing His voice. And hearing comes and is processed by the reading of the Word of God. And so, we're in that realm. And we're like, we're, we're fasting, we're praying, we're saying, listen, I'm not doing this. You know, I think that many people, many people use fasting as a hunger strike to get what they want from God. Just saying. But that's not what it's about. It's about seeing him rightly. And in seeing him rightly, we see ourselves rightly. And when we see ourselves rightly, through the word, I'm not discounting the word, through the praying and the, and the changing of our mind, we see ourselves rightly, and then when we walk into situations that seem impossible, we can believe for it. Would you stand today? I just believe if you're like me, I had to root some things out this week, and you may need to do that. And so I just want to give some time for some prayer, Kyle. If you don't mind playing something, that would be awesome. If something out of this has triggered you to inspect your garden, that's step number one, to inspect the garden. I believe that our prayer should be, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Lord, show me where I don't believe what you have destined me to be. Show me what I'm not believing for and that where I am in unbelief so that I can walk into belief and I can get rid of the contaminants of my life so that I can be pure and look to the supernatural over the natural. And I can say, listen, everything that I've done in my life for the last five years has been looking at the natural and it's ugly. But... In him we find who we really are now you say pastor rob like you talked about the seeds and you talked about the weeds and you talked about all that let me give you one more illustration in god's presence whatever is manifest in your heart will increase just like whenever i water the plant the weeds grow with the plant it's the same thing about god's presence and one of the keys about the summit is we focus on his presence so i'm not naive to think that not only is the good stuff going to grow but the bad stuff's going to grow too because in his presence everything happens and you say pastor rob why would everything increase in his presence can you give me an illustration yeah the last supper is very easy in that most intimate moment in the in the room with the disciples You see John with his head on his chest. Peter saying, I'm never going to deny you. And Judas is walking away from the table to betray him. It all happened in his presence. So in his presence, in this place, it's not just the seeds of the kingdom that are going to grow. It's everything that you've allowed to be planted in your garden will grow. And I believe that it's time that the Lord is saying, let's get in there. Let's start to dig out those things that are not full of belief and that have unbelief and mixture in them so that we can walk in the miracles that he's called us to walk in. So I'm just going to pray. Kyle's playing. I believe that this has kept you from your miracle. I believe it's kept you from your destiny. I believe it's kept me from those things. Are you willing to say, Lord, show me my unbelief? And when he shows it to you, are you willing to put the gloves on and start to rip it out so that when you rip it out there's no root left. And then and then after you rip it out maybe that's what you're going to do this morning you're going to rip it out. I don't believe anybody in here including myself has a clean garden. But when you rip it out then the next thing is that you have to begin to guard that garden with everything you have so that you walk without mixture. So if this has impacted you and you want to deal with the Lord, he's ready, he's willing, he's waiting. He's been waiting for this longer than you've been sitting here listening. But he wants you to be whole. He wants you to see wholeness in your body. He wants you to see wholeness in your emotions. He wants to give you dignity. He's not looking down at you. He's seen the distractions that have come your way. And he's rooting for you father today i just thank you i thank you for wisdom knowledge and understanding i thank you for a a supernatural belief that it's not about the size of my faith that it's about the purity of my garden and lord today i just ask that you would that you would just touch every heart that you would just move on them that today people would just be transformed by truth and they would know you. They would know how much you care. So, Lord, we give you this time, this, this special time. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open. People will pray with you. You can pray by yourself. But I believe that this is a, a transitional time for some to walk into the wholeness that they've been asking for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms, or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com, or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.